0: Philosophy, Descartes, Debate, The Mepropod, 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 The Awesomest Discussion Podcast in the History of the Human Species, oh yeah!
1: Let me tell you, I've an interview with an old man emu he He's got a beak and feathers and things But the poor old fetter ain't got no wings Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? Um, well, the eagle's flying round and round To keep me two feet firmly on the ground Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you I could run the pants off a kangaroo but I' da dee He got Floyd, but I'm right. In you, that case. The pants welcome theory.
0: to Member Report Number One Thirty Four, February Third, Two Thousand Fifteen. We are here, and hey, uh, hey, hey! oh wait, I'm looking outside. Wait, uh, no, it's true. Um, school has been canceled again for the next three weeks, so I will just be here <laughs> in my house, um, recording shows for you because apparently I'm never going to go to school again. Are you Ever. serious? Yeah. Um, I I I have missed the last two Mondays. Um, were canceled. Um, because of weather. And so I have a class for my fantasy fiction course has 32 students in it, none of whom I have met. And the kicker to this <laughs> is I'm going to go back on Monday, assuming we have class, I'm going to go back on Monday and I'm going to be like, hey, here's your first book. See you in three weeks, because then we have President's Day and the week after that is the earliest spring break in America. And then when we get back from that, it's uh, a week before midterms. So, this semester is completely destroyed. Just, there's just no. I feel uh, like this is unnecessary you know.
2: somehow. Like, Finland has the best educational system in the world. So clearly, like, education and snow are not quite as mutually exclusive. Yeah, but
0: they give people, like, they give the kids, like, skis to get places. I mean, the problem is that I think what it is is it's not so much the campus. Because the campus was in decent shape yesterday. They actually had us come in at 1030. They opened the campus. And then I literally was, like, printing out syllabi for my course that night. I hadn't even had my second afternoon class. And I walk out, and the chairperson of the department's like, well, we're out. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, we closed the campus at 330. So they got a five-hour window. And that was pretty much it. And I think the reason is because people live out like on Long Island, people live in New Jersey, and they just can't get there, you know, and so you end up teaching classes to like three students. So I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, but they I don't I don't actually think I ever remember having two night classes, even during Hurricane Sandy. Um, a couple of years ago. I don't think we had two night classes that were cancelled. And I don't entirely know what they're going to do about it. The last time that this happened, when they missed, like, even two classes of any kind, they gave up, they were like, alright, like, with a month left, are like, okay, we've added a class in May. We were like, that is completely hel- not helpful, thank you. Because we already <laughs> passed the midterms. It's like, I right. don't, you know, hey guys, remember that part of um, the short stories that we did? Well, I'm just going to give you a short story now. It won't be on the final, and it's not going to be, but just so you know, this is making up for the class you missed in, you know, September, or whatever. Whatever right. it was so man, yeah, weather, and you'd think that at this point it's clear that you know, climate change this is here to stay, so we got to come up with a new, super flexible system to deal with this subject. Well, I, I want see.
3: to know how it feels to be the age of people who are really super disappointed when school is canceled by weather.
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know it. Well, the thing is, the thing is, so you, so the deal is when you get one that can't, it's canceled, I'm like, oh, cool, I'm like, I have to, you know, like adjust a little bit, but that's fine. But the thing is, since I know that I'm going to be required to make it up on the other end, the joy is gone. Like, I mean, when we were kids, I guess we knew that you would have to make up that. But it seems so far away. You know, it's like, well, in June we have to make up this class. But for me, I know that somehow I'm going to have to think of how to arrange it. Or they're going to say, like, all right, you have to meet your kids, like, Sunday afternoon or something absurd. And and it's going to make it really difficult. So now I was, like, rooting for it. You know, last two weeks ago I'm like, okay, this is cool. Sounds good. Last week I'm like... Uh, and then last night I'm like, well, this is becoming an unmitigated disaster. So, yeah, I know. I did think about that, though. wonder what that says, that now I'm like, school, not so much.
3: I just feel like it's... It's just like the – it's pure hedonism. You just see the snow outside. You just get that visceral reaction that you know you don't have to do anything that day. Yeah. You sleep in. I mean I don't know. Maybe it's different when you have family chores and you have to go to the grocery store anyway or you have to like take your daughter to her non-canceled school or something like that. Exactly, yeah.
0: No, know. I'm with you, man. I mean, like, we, as it was, it was great. We got to go sledding. And at least, I mean, I wasn't complaining about it, except that at a certain point, I'm like, I will pay a price for it. That's what it is. You become more aware of future cost. You know, when you're, when you're, you know, you're passing
2: like, the marshmallow test better. Yeah. When
0: you're 12, you're like, I know this will cost something soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> I see it coming down the pike. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so weather man, weather apocalypse, blizzard apocalypse, which none of you guys have to worry about because Story's idea of blizz apocalypse now is like forty degrees, and you're swimming. You just told me, Russ. Yeah, so. it's been like
3: seventies and eighties. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. That's lifeful.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he does have that kind of apocalypse, though. He still has traffic Swip- apocalypse. Traffic apocalypse. This is oh, when yeah. I, this is when I make the classic East Coast rejoinder of, well, just wait till the big one hits and your whole state drifts out into the ocean. Which is like a really... It doesn't really help, right? Because, you know if that ever does happen it will be a disaster of such unimaginable proportions you'll feel bad so there's really i was gonna say you'll
2: you'll know you'll be really happy
0: you'll be like i told you this is for all the snow days that's right suck it sixth largest economy
3: (laughs) i've told you guys that before right that my family will periodically send me emails being like hey we heard there was a fire somewhere in downtown la are you okay and i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah that's nine (laughs) miles away i'm Fine, like, San, what, what do you think this is?
0: <laughs> San Jacinto. it's true,
3: uh, but they they seem to be looking for reasons to not feel badly about their life decisions and spending in New York. I'm just like, look every every place has benefits just because generations of people lived in one place doesn't mean that they're all right forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's really true. And I guess everyone is sort of affected by that. But it's a good point you make story. Maybe maybe the key is that we're just we need to move all to a localized area and then just get snowshoes and then we can all you know, there would never any be problems with school. I mean, that's basically how Finland did it. Just, just yeah, you know.
2: I mean, I'm just saying that, like, there's got to be you know, there's got to be a way. To bring people in so that it's not quite so disruptive. Because like clearly there are places that deal with this on a regular basis and they don't shut down all the time. So don't they also
3: not have summer break in those countries? uh, Doesn't that not exist? I don't think that exists over there. Because there's I no mean, summer. I was going to say, there's this summer that exists, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always a wasteland to yeah. frozen ice, right? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's the land of the midnight sun, and when it never gets dark, you don't associate that time with rest at all. So it's like the highly energized time. It's like when I visited St. Petersburg, Russia. It was it was the white nights. It got, like, dusky for 45 minutes, and people would be up at 3 in the morning having tea. Like, people, you know, you just can't deal with it. You can't sleep, so. Hey,
3: Speaking of which, story, as a russo yeah. file, um uh-huh. do you have any thoughts on our ongoing Cold War with Russia and potentially Hot War as it gets closer and closer to uh
2: oh, it's not, it's not going to be hot. Um, no, I, like, so, you know, I think we may have talked, I mean, you know, it's 134 shows. we probably talked about everything at some point. But, <laughs> you know, I, we may have talked at some point about sort of the theory that I have about The Russian people having been there and having studied them for a long time that I really believe that it's deeply embedded in the Russian psychology that they don't want to make their own decisions about things or situations (laughs) like the Russian culture and the Russian society um just wants to be dominated or likes to have that sort of like hero worship well they can't suffer
0: um, and suffer for their art otherwise right so yeah they, a
2: dictatorial relationship you yeah. know and and I mean it's also embedded I think I've I may have even said this on the show before I'm sure I've talked to you guys about this that like you know the russian language has a temporary and a permanent form of every single um adjective except for happy <laughs> does not have a permanent form uh-huh. um, it doesn't exist it's it's right. it literally like all all moods and states of being except for happy and the closest they have to a permanent form of happy is sort of lucky but it's like it's this like <laughs> sort of unjustly lucky type of implication uh, is the closest they have to a permanent form of happy so you know tremendous. the russian state of of the mindset is is deeply embedded in in the results of the leadership that they get, so you know i don 't think um, and I think this is important to understanding like why Putin is Putin and why Putin has the kind of hold and power he has because everyone's like why aren 't people more upset and like why does he gratuitously like drop kick a dissident in the face for no reason <laughs> periodically and i'm like, well. <laughs> That's kind of what they like there, you know, like it's kind of like saying that this is the greatest country that will ever live. It's like the cultural equivalent of that in the u s. It's like occasionally you just have to drop kick a dissident and then yep. then we're reminded why we like you and you you believe like the others before before who dominate us believe i mean i
0: feel much better you know every time i see de blasio drop kicking uh, you know uh, (laughs) a dissident i feel much better just in general about his leadership skills like i think you know yeah exactly i don't i don't don't trust him when he's talking about talking to his black son about being safe from the white cops i don't trust that but when he drop kicks a dissident then i feel good about myself i'm like yeah you you showed that occupy what for and i think you're a leader now a strong powerful dissident kicking leader. so i think yeah Good call. Yeah,
2: and I think it has to do with like the Russian psychology of being sort of like that the Russians as a people have a tendency to be sort of oppressed and dominated. I mean, Russian culture was a series of like the Vikings came and dominated us, and then the Mongols came and dominated us, and like we're just sort of a long-suffering people. So leadership is affiliated with being like able to stand up to that to a certain extent. And it's like if you're mean to us, we at least know. You're going to be mean to Napoleon or Hitler or the outsiders, whoever comes
0: along. So or maybe, or maybe more mean. Is that the idea? Like, yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's like it's like
2: that's how you know that's the testing ground. It's like practice. So yeah, it's true. <laughs>
0: it's almost as if their
3: strategy for victory isn't to conquer other nations necessarily, but to allow their own nation to be conquered and then let the conquering army starve to death as they exactly. burn their own cities like, and you like think you leave everything you. in ruins. Yeah. no
2: one likes it here. We don't like <laughs> it here we just can't we can't leave
0: so yeah and then they like
3: f off the Siberia while people are like, why did we try to conquer this place? Let's leave well the, it is true go exactly. back and they rebuild
0: exactly their whole process of defeating the Germans basically came down to a you will hate our land more than we will you know right. like that's that's basically how it broke down. It was very much a passive you know like' just, let's just wait for it to happen and then you know I mean yeah.
2: Yeah, which is why crushing them by like tanking oil prices deliberately and then like waiting for the country to starve is just like not really a feasible. It's like we're starving ourselves What you're you're gonna beat us at our own game? We, we were already here. This was does it create already like, gr- our plan? But does so. it create
0: grudging admiration in them for us? They're like, wow, you also agree with us that we should you you also That's want probably to probably why us. they like Reagan so much? Yeah, exactly. yeah right. why
2: he was like the one exception because he just was like he just shit talked so much that they were like. Oh. Oh, Ah, this guy. This whereas guy Gorbachev was kind of like, you know, was kind of mealy-mouthed by comparison. It's kind of like, eh, well, maybe freedoms. I don't know. Let's open up. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my theory. So, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the U.S. is increasingly like sees everything in terms of economic terms, but, um, and that's why all of this oil stuff is going on, and that's how we're convinced we're going to sink the Russian ship. but Well, that, um, that all being
3: said, I'm a, yeah. a huge fan of two sources of news that uh, I used to stay abreast of Russian stuff. One is okay. Euronews, which is a sort of... It's a very like middle-way middle moderate European news channel, and they do a lot of great updates on the situation unfolding in Ukraine. And it sounds to me like... Russia is just sort of inevitably going to conquer the whole of Ukraine, and they pretty much have control over the entire East right now via the quote-unquote Russian separatist army that is the Russian army. Um, And it kind of seems inevitable that when they push across some line that there's going to be a conflict with with NATO forces or Ukrainian national forces supported by NATO forces, and that could possibly trigger something. Um, Hmm. The other source is this really great blog called Club Orlov, uh, which is... Uh, he's a, I don't know, just like a random Russian engineer who lives in the U.S., but he's written a bunch of books about world politics, and he talks a lot about this theory that you were talking about in terms of the Russian mindset and how Mm -hmm. they can never be cowed and how they have this when when a Russian tells you to go to hell, like they literally mean it like they've cut you out of their lives and they'll go off to Siberia and start a brand new life and leave you to starve to death and never expect to see you again. And that's sort of the <laughs> what is burgeoning in their relationship with the United States in terms of watching us try to tank their currency and all that stuff. So
2: Yeah. It's
3: very interesting. It's interesting.
2: No, I think I I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, I think the U.S. also, like, does not – I mean, and part of this is sort of in terms of the economic perspective and interconnectedness, but the U.S. has a very hard time accepting the idea that there's going to be people in the world somewhere that stand up to the U.S., be those, like, some nebulous, you know, grouping of – of rebels or terrorists or whatever we're calling them or other rogue powers like North Korea or other strong powers like China and Russia. Like, I think the U.S. is still just convinced that everyone will love the U.S. as much as the U.S. loves itself at some point. And Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, and Russia, I think that's like part of what really drives Russia deep down at its core is to remind the U.S. that it's not just going to like, it's not going to be end of history, game over we won (laughs) well yeah
0: and it's not i'm not convinced either that um the plutocrats that really allow putin to do what he wants are going to continue to let him do what he wants when it gets i mean there's already signs that that they've decided to start reining him back in on some of this stuff and i'm not convinced that nationalism 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 may or may not play to the russian people as a whole i don't it's not going to play to the people who you know, to the to the Prokhorovs, you know, the guys who own the New Jersey Nets. Those are right. really Putin's actual power base. Those are the guys that kept him in power in the first place, and they are not fans of this whole situation. Which they feel like he, because he is a nut. I mean, he's not. He's not a. How do I put this? He's. He's not a nut who's like going to run around and like throw nukes at everyone for no reason. Sure. But he's but he's very strongly kind of old school Russian nationalist. And I absolutely. And they and I don't think they are. I think they're kind of like this is fine as long as we get increased rubles. And then they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you do to this? So I'm not convinced that they're going to let him keep going as far as he wants either. Which which incidentally, by the way, is also what I think is going to happen eventually to Netanyahu as well in Israel. Um, and I I think it's going to move down that path also, although there it's not quite as stark, but I do think it still exists as a potential situation there too so, anyway so, don't worry about it Russ, the plutocrats will save us Uh, (laughs) they always do (laughs) I actually think that the
2: plutocrats are far more terrifying than Putin because Putin at least has like a traceable like, I, at the end of the day I, I totally agree with you I think that Putin does have like through nationalism or like you know a desire to be permanent leader or something like does actually sort of care about results in the end whereas i'm fairly convinced that the plutocrats like honestly wouldn't care if 90 percent of the population just like burned as long as they got their rubles so like arguably, I, I honestly i trust for that more. to happen because then they can <laughs> right. just
3: seize a bunch of land without having to uh, evict people from it it's, yeah, the, re-
2: like, it's the reverse like, russian revolution like, the Russian mob is some scary stuff, man. You do yeah. not want to, like, those those people are ruthless, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to start getting, I, I don't think we should really get into this subject on the MEP report just because I think it could be personally dangerous, but I don't see why we can't just get the Yakuza and a bunch of these other mobs just, like, somehow allied against each other, you know? I, I think that that could somehow focus their attention on each other, and then meanwhile, that would allow the rest of the world to move forward. So if we could just isn't get that, a mob war. Isn't that
3: isn't that isn't that the case like for not the, a real
0: nah i mean that's I think they big. called it baltimore isn't <laughs> <that>? <laughs> <laughs> isn't I that I Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i saw the wire. i know what happens i saw the wire yeah yeah it's interesting i don't know
2: i think we've seen that so the apocalypse has officially come i thought i'd just let you guys know okay i um i have a smartphone <laughs> wow uh, I victory was not work made I him do it not given a choice work made me do it yeah, and, I knew it. and you feel smarter so now you feel smarter huh you feel smarter i no i feel <laughs> infinitely more distracted at all times and it's really frustrating um but have you guys played quiz up cuz quiz up <laughs> is really awesome <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? No, I have not played um, QuizUp. I don't even know what it quiz is. Up. Quiz Up, is like being able to constantly play a little mini game of Jeopardy with all of your friends all the time, whenever. And it's about as st- I mean, and and so in fact, arguably, it, my smartphone is actually making me smarter because it's making me relearn all of the geography that I used to know when I did geography bees growing up and there things. You go. So through Quiz Up, um, which I'm sure is exactly as my. Phone was intended for use hi boss <laughs> um, what kind but, of so yeah. did you get is it a is it an iPhone, it's an is it a iphone oh, 5 God. i thought
0: you said a smartphone <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah so iPhone five. yeah no it's really i mean it was really funny too because like a week before i think literally like six to ten days before I got this job, I made some either Facebook post or blog post or something where I said, like, if my choice were between going back to never having a phone again or getting a smartphone, I would choose option A. And then it's like, no, nope, these are not your choices. These choices will be made for you. <laughs> so <laughs> you have no yeah. choice. Good. Times. Um,
0: interesting. So is there one what, what is the thing that's most like you said, distractibility, but what's the thing that's most surprised you about you know having a smartphone that maybe you weren't expecting because i know you dreaded this with all your being yeah you know
2: quiz up i think quiz up quiz up (laughs) i was not expecting quiz up and it is fun (laughs) um is that a real answer i don't know i uh
0: you know that's made by mythic right no just kidding (laughs) no (laughs) dark age of quiz up story never heard
2: from again (laughs) (laughs) uh that's hilarious I don't know. It's only been two and a half weeks, so I'm not sure if there's something that, like, I guess, I mean, I guess how uh, how much I would want to, like, use navigation and things. Like, it is it is remarkably convenient um, to be able to know where you're going and stuff, although I still am committed to the project of learning the city of New Orleans um, and not just relying on GPSs and things like that, so... Which which I've done a pretty good job of sticking to, but, you know, it is is remarkably convenient to be able to be like, oh, I'll just check a movie time, or, oh, the streetcar is five minutes late, I'll see when the next one is, or that kind of thing, so... Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. It, it was funny because I, you know, I got flown back to uh, go to a debate trip for just like a day and a half. It was actually this like really whirlwind trip um, by TCNJ, whose team we helped found when I was at Rutgers. And um, and I just like for really stupid things would have, you know, I was hanging out with people who I, many of whom I hadn't seen in a very long time And who I was very close to and the people I used to coach and all of this stuff. And there would just be times when someone would point out that, like, I was the one who was sitting there on my phone and looking at something totally useless and irrelevant. And I'm like, God, it's already me. This has already happened. (laughs) Which was always my objection. Like, I knew, you know, I mean, there's something innate about the way these things are constructed that makes people into worse versions of themselves. Like, it's not like I sat and, like, blamed everyone who was doing this with their phone. It's clearly it's the technologies.
0: Oh, it's always the—it's definitely you know? the phone's fault. I think we can just say it is. in general, yeah.
2: No, I mean you know so, and it's not to say that that can't be resisted at all. And I need to obviously like make a better effort to do that. But like, the, it is designed to be something that it replaces your human interaction, and that's, that's of frustrating, brain. right? Yeah, I, probably, I actually read yeah. an
0: article about that today um, that was talking about how, and I'm sure this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody. But that um, when they've done studies that when people are using their GPS and their location device that that it becomes, as you might expect, more difficult for them to be able to you know, navigate around otherwise. And the theory right. is that um, not just that you're not using that portion of your brain, but that the, specifically the sort of, I forget how they put it, the improvisational nature of the brain cells that determine mm. navigation is in some ways reduced. But the good news about it is that if you, it, it like is immediately recoverable apparently. So if, if you know... It's, it's not, not like, like it's atrophy Right, everything. you do that and it's gone <laughs> yeah. and dead. I mean, like if, if you go back to doing it and you're left without it for, you know, a month or two it springs back very quickly and there's some argument to be made that if you alternate, like if you if you alternate okay. like being told what they want you to do and then you making up your own decision, it's sort of the best of both worlds, they said, because it provides parameters within which your brain then operates and and can when you know literally think outside the box to get places, the box that it was huh. given with the GPS. Anyway, it was interesting. So they were they was talking about yeah. exactly what you're speaking about. So do you
3: remember that old news story that I told you guys about where a guy affixed a belt uh, that had like eight uh, cell phone vibrators on it, and the one that was facing north would always be vibrating whenever he went through his day. And basically, what it did was it hacked into his brain and allowed his brain to build a map of his surroundings at all times. So after I don't wearing remember it this, for really, yeah. So after wearing it for six weeks, he had this crazy innate sense of where he was geographically in the city and which direction he was facing at all times. Even once he took the belt off, it was nice. sort of a yeah, it's like a wow, that's true. Extra sensory thing.
0: But it just yeah. starts by hacking into the brain first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome.
2: No, I mean I do I do worry with a lot of what these kinds wrong? of things that we're like replacing, you know, the functionality of our brain with things that theoretically help our brain, but that like collectively we're all just getting dumber because we're more reliant on things that we would used to have to think about or work for ourselves. So I think that's a legitimate concern.
0: We're probably becoming better synthesizers of the information that's out there, or at least we're becoming better, you know, we're able to apply different sources of information that we have, right? The question is, we can't necessarily come up with it on our own. Like, I'm sure research is dying fast. But, like, the ability to aggregate the information that we're given is probably improving. I would guess. That's my complete off-the-top-of-my-head scientific theory, but that's you know yeah
3: i I just love the fact that i agree with story that probably we're getting dumber and our capacity for long-term memory is uh disintegrating and our capacity for you know doing things that require attention span is disintegrating and then all that being said we have access to more knowledge than any humans at any time in the history of the world for free you know
0: yep well we spoke about that right like what it would be like if someone who was a you know a researcher would just be amazed at the ability of you know the amount of information and the access you know to information that that they have now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it is it is curious to me. I mean, like I don't know if I assume that you guys watched or maybe watched part of the Super Bowl anyway. And um, if you yep. saw any of the halftime heartbreaking. show heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Well, oh god. Don't even get me started. Like. the ugh. Pete, Pete, Pete Carroll is ugh. not fired today because he won a Super Bowl last year. That's all I'll say. That is the stupidest call. Yeah, and because
2: sports. he almost, and because he basically won a Super Bowl before he decided to give it away. Give it away. Say, and give it to the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stupidest ugh, call. I made. could not. I could not. So bad. I mean, I've been trying to process it like twenty six times. and I'm just like the only thing he could think of is that no one in. The history of the world would everything to throw it there so that they would not be defending against the throw. No, I literally that's oh, yeah. the only thing I can come up with. It almost like, worked. This is the, the most deceptive right. play in history that like everyone would be rushing right. Marshawn Lynch. So like he's like, guys, this will I only just, work once. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, on. exactly. It was so, just like, so
0: like I don't because anyway. everyone
2: in the stadium knew Marshawn Lynch would. Of run course, in. yes. because so he, yes,
0: he, he got four yards the first time. He almost scored the first time. Like, why would you? I don't even. I what know. he should have done, what Marshawn Lynch really should have done is they should have set up the play. He should have leg swept Russell Wilson, taken the ball right, and I run know. the ball at himself <laughs> and then been like, I can't let you do this. We were Alex you know?
2: and I were talking about this, too. We were just like, OK, so the coach makes the dumbest play call ever. You're Russell Wilson. You're yeah. like, op choice. Would <laughs> yeah. I like to have another championship or no? Yes, I will ignore this call and run it in myself. Anything like, other than yeah. like what a do. keeper would have been better. Oh,
0: my oh, gosh. So bad. Okay. So bad, but so, sack would have been better. Yes, yes been better. I saw. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the but the, the halftime show. They're what amazed me was the halftime show was to me the the living example of where the sort of society you know culture is gone. And that is, listen, it's not. I mean, Katy Perry does stuff like this. Anyone who was like, "Wow, what was that?" That's Katy Perry. Okay, so like, it wasn't shocking. But what surprised me was we've reached the level now where the references are just so all over the place that only a modern consciousness can hope to somehow assimilate it all. You know, it's like, let, let's bring in, so we've got her walking on the lion, which looked vaguely like the Voltron lion, so that's cool, I guess. And then she, like, has some costume change where she's flying on a star that looks like the star from the the More You Know NBC commercial, which they themselves yep. tweeted, so they obviously saw it too. And then they she brings out Missy Elliott, because, I guess, we need Missy Elliott to return. And then she has, she literally is dancing with a shark, and I can't even tell you how much I was rooting for her to please jump over the shark, please, please jump <laughs> over the shark, please jump. That would have been amazing. But like, I oh, mean, man. I just, and it was to me, it was a perfect. I'm like, that is a modern halftime show. I mean, that's that's. I I can't complain you
3: about despite the cultural zeitgeist implications of the halftime show, like, there were chess pieces, so I was satiated.
2: Well, that's no, true. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> it I really nice. liked the Dancing Sharks, which, which apparently everyone in the world did. I was like, wow, yeah. those are really cool. I bet no one else will like them. And then apparently they were like... No, everybody liked them. Everyone's favorite thing. Oh my god, and the
3: mushrooms that like open and close their mouths and all that psychedelic stuff, I was like, I like
0: this. That's what I'm saying. Did you see, this <laughs> good? Did you, did you see the beach ball? The caption of which was, please yeah, kill balls. me. I live my life in agony. <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, it was it was really and it was funny because it was a it was a halftime show that was exactly counter to what I would argue is the most depressing series of commercials ever aired. I don't know whether they were all just suffering from seasonal affective disorder, but that was the most depressing set of commercials of all time. Did you see the commercial about the Dead Kid? He's like, so so all of these things are miserable because I'm dead. So thanks. I'm like, what? And then, you know, the father being like, let me drive my daughter who's made the choice to go to Afghanistan and get herself killed. That's awesome. Hey, how about another commercial with a father who never goes back with his son? And so he finally picks him up when he's like 16 and then they give each other a hug. But his dad's already old and past his prime. Like what they are like, look, what we need to do now is depress the American consumer. Like, what? what the hell was that? During the Super Bowl,
3: some of us were arguing that the reason that this had all happened—and it was by happenstance—it wasn't as if all of these advertisers, you know, submitted their depressing commercials like in collusion. Like picked they up just on something just... though. But I <laughs> think know. what they picked up on was the fact that 2014 was this like really traumatic year for it America. It It was.
0: It sucked. Yeah. It, maybe that's what it is. I Clea said the exact same thing. Maybe just it was such a shitty year that everyone was like, "Yep, this was a shitty year." I and it. I
2: have never seen. I mean, there have been bad years in American times before, but I feel like people try to cover them up better than they did in 2014. Like there were all these years in review at the end of 2014. And like, I was not particularly like fond of 2014 and I don't think it was terribly good for the nation or whatever, but like, you know, that's not that's usually a fairly minority opinion for me when I feel that way and there were just all these things that were just like well a lot of people suffered this year or well this year was really hard but like it's not this year anymore and I was like since 2001 maybe I guess 2008 and 2001 are the only years that I can think of that people were just sort of open about like well whatever but like in comparison to those years, like there was a lot less overt that happened I agree. in an '01 or 08, but but yet yeah, the sensation is clearly there, and I and I agree with you that this is a reflection of that. So. I wonder
0: if that's and I wonder if that's actually a good sign in the sense that people are being much more honest about their feelings about it because I agree with you 100. Right. I mean, I had a lousy 2014. Clea said the same thing. I felt like <laughs> I felt like a lot of people were just willing to acknowledge it, and maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Instead of always being like, "Nope, everything's happy all the time," you know, people were like, oh, "No, that was right. a really crappy year," and we I made mean, it through it. You know, like I mean, a lot of things went bad,
3: but it's hard to be in denial about it when Robin Williams kills himself. Who yeah. is like the yeah. the clown yeah, chief fair, of yeah. of the nation state? Like, gives that up on life. That hit really hard. But, yeah, that's a then very then good like,
0: point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, you make a very good point and by the way over. and maya angelou uh, you know who's yeah. somebody that you always look to as a poet who kind of you know spoke about hope i mean she obviously had difficult things that she was writing about too but there was a sense of hope there yeah you felt like we took it on the chin and it is true the robin williams thing really hit people hard it hit me hard I, it was it was not I, and i you know i didn't i actually have not talked to even my students I didn't talk to a single one who felt like he wasn't part, you know, the gaming generation loved him because he was such Mm -hmm. a big Nintendo guy and he, you know, his daughter is named after the actual character from legend of Zelda. And he, they, they, yeah, it really hit people. So yeah, 2014 just can go F off, man. Like I, I, and I think that's what people felt, but I, I just really noticed it during the advertising. I'm like, what is this? Like everything's just like depressing, depressing, more depressing, more depressing, more depressing. Like, You know, I mean, so I...
2: I can't help but feel also, and I know this is like one of my personal soapboxes, but that (laughs) a lot of what made... 2014 difficult for people was the gap between the reality of what clearly everyone was experiencing and the rhetoric and the propaganda about where the economy allegedly is by people who manipulate and misuse statistics Mm -hmm. so you know like obviously it's a a blog feature of mine to talk about the real unemployment rate which has been over 11 percent for like the better part of a decade but is still reported to be Crashing, and it just—it still blows my mind the number of media outlets that take themselves seriously that just regurgitate this like happy headline. Like when literally the entire difference between the unemployment rate is people who have just left the labor force and totally given up, and they're like, unemployment is so low, everything is so wonderful.
3: I mean, you know, like obviously this is a position I've held for a long time, and I have already talked about how I watch Euro News on my Roku, and you right. know. It, in an attempt to avoid any American centric news sure. coming to my television. But I think, yeah. And this year in particular, like it could not have been clear how ne- negative credibility, any fully American source of news has that's on network television. I'm going to murder all of these people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and yet uh, it still seems your to pervade your approach. <laughs> I was going to say, still 2014. <laughs> in I will world. be on the local news tonight. Motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah,
3: I mean the fact that it just – it could not be more clearly just a capitulation. Like they're not even trying to report things that matter anymore. Right. It's, it's just bread and circuses and celebrity bullshit nonsense and the news stories aren't news stories and the statistics aren't statistics and it's just – it's scary that there are so many people that are still informed by this stuff it's it's frightening well
0: i'm not i'm not sure that i mean there are certainly people who are informed by it but i think that number is dropping rapidly i think i think part of why it's gotten so bad on the news side is because They're so desperately fighting against the tide because they see the irrelevancy rapidly coming. Um, And and it's why everything becomes, you know, you can only push the pleasure stimulus button or the fear stimulus button before people become unresponsive to it. And that's why the biggest joke was last Monday, a week before, I should say a week from yesterday, um, where you had Don Lemon, who is one of the stupidest anchors on television for CNN, driving around in the Blizzard Mobile. Did you guys hear this? Hear about this? So he's he's in a car driving around the streets of New York, which, for the record, was not hit by a blizzard. Uh, six inches does not equal a blizzard. Try again. Um, if I were in, if he was in Boston, that'd be another matter. They got slammed in New York, not so much. Um, and and he's driving around literally in a blizzard mobile, and he was mocked mercilessly, so much so that they even commented on the broadcast. You know, I know a lot of people are wondering why we're doing the Blizzard Mobile, and that's because this is where the news is. I'm like, the news is not in a six inch snowstorm, Don. Why don't you go back to Atlanta and try to, you know, prop up your fading relevancy? But that's what it is. It's it's an incredible, desperate, you know, increasingly desperate attempt because they see the falling demographics, the advertising is dropping way off because people are not getting their news from there anymore. So that to me, seen, by the way, is uh, all good stuff. That's all good that that's happening because the faster they see- die,
3: the better. Have you seen Nightcrawler, either of you? The Jake Gyllenhaal movie?
0: No. Yes. It's uh, surprisingly
3: good. It's surprisingly good. Without ruining anything, um, it's basically the story of a sociopath who decides, who's struggling, and decides he can make his money by being um, a freelance uh, video recorder and sell his stories to local news. And he increasingly gets more and more involved in the stories that he's covering to make them more sensational. And it's just – I thought it was just a magnificent portrayal of local news of just like they they would come across narratives that would be like, well, clearly this break-in was drug-related and it had nothing to do with like your security in your own home as an average citizen. But they played up the notion that it should be scary to you as an average citizen because they wanted more eyeballs on the TV rather than like figuring out systemic causes for why things are happening or explaining anything or having any socioeconomic – you know, analysis of news stories, and it was just—I thought it was spot on in in its presentation of uh, of the news.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Fucking great. Yeah, it think, was really. I good. think that's where headed. So, but no, I have not seen it yet.
2: No, I mean, local news is something that other than being interviewed periodically for my luminarias, as we talked about the other show, (laughs) like I actually totally forget exists or is something that people watch. And then like when I did watch like the full show for my luminarias, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all of this like sensationalized violence that is packaged as something that is somehow relevant to your life that like otherwise I just go around in this city and I'm perfectly like safe and happy and everything's fine. But I would like be afraid to leave my house if this were part of my daily reality if i thought that this were in any way relevant to what i'm doing with my time Mm
0: -hmm. so that's true and they've all i mean there's always been like an element of sort of provincialism like the biggest thing in connecticut for a long time in connecticut you know local news was fairly benign as these things go because sure. connecticut is fairly benign <laughs> as states go but uh the news would someone always. someone have... ate a
2: sandwich without mayonnaise today on their estate exactly exactly
0: <laughs> well that's southern connecticut you know northern Fair connecticut enough. you get more sort of you know like kind of like looking strangely at the rest of new england like today massachusetts did something crazy how about that meanwhile the whalers you know like uh-huh. that was that that was was of Connecticut's approach, but uh, you know, but the Connecticut thing, their biggest issue was they would always try to get some immediate local angle to anything. So you know, the okay. the tsunami in Bangladesh kills ten thousand, and is this man from Darien involved? So you're like, or, or not even? Or like, is this man from Bristol? What does this man from Bristol think about the storm in the, in the tsunami? And I'm like, why do I care what like Joe Schmidt thinks from like Avon about you know what's happening? And and uh, so that was their problem, was sort of trying to get a local angle on everything. But other than that, I mean, that was pretty much it. They were just sort of harmless. And also local news anchors, I don't know if you guys had this experience growing up or you did, but... They lasted forever. Like, Al Terzi was an anchor, like, starting from the age of, like, eight when I arrived in Connecticut. And, like, when I had basically left Connecticut at the age of, like, 28, I think he was still, like, an anchor. Like, he just – and he looked more or less the same. The hair was a little whiter, but that was pretty much it. Like, they just – they stay, man. It, they don't get replaced by younger, better-looking anchors like the National News stuff. Not so – not the case. Like, they just stay. Um, so there is, that's a, that's a job with some serious long-term longevity, uh, you know, involved, but, um, but that was it. I mean, that was, that was basically all local news was like, but it was very forgettable for sure. Um, but now I just think that news in general has gotten to be nonsensical. And I think that's all to the good, frankly, because the better we can find sources of our own that are much more, you know, accurate and real time. And the more we listen to the Al Jazeera's with, you know, care and, uh, you know, and the BBC sometimes. Um, you know, the better off we are, and turn off CNN and yeah. Fox and those places. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you given know. Every... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go you ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, all you. Go. You. I want go. to go with Russ. Go state. ahead. Go. <laughs> no, all I was going to
2: say, <laughs> especially since every like real statistical analysis shows that like violent crime has never been less of a thing in America ever. Yeah, like, exactly. By a wide, wide margin. Mm. Hmm. Well, what
3: you know were what? you
0: going to say, Russ?
2: Ah, you said it. You. Okay.
0: okay. All right. So I have a question for you guys. <laughs> so then, how would you, how would you create a news station today? What would you do to create a news, either a news source or a news station, like you know, not not a newspaper, but like a news site? What would be your kind of guiding principles?
3: Uh, my guiding principle would be the old Bill Hicks stand-up routine, which was he he used to be like, well. They do call themselves the news, right? Like this is some sort of objective assessment of everything that's going on, Mm -hmm. and yet never a positive drug story. Well, hold on a minute. I've had some great times on drugs. And then he does this routine about how like a man sitting in his chair realized that all life was a fabrication and that we are living in the dreams of ourselves – Back to John with the weather. <laughs> that would be the starting point of Tremendous. my channel.
0: Tremendous. I have this image that you would uh, – yeah, I have this image that I would, I would try to – I'd like report some, you know, some news story which would be hopefully vaguely relevant and possibly would have a heavy literature or fantasy focus. I don't know. But I would report something like that. And then we would cut to Russ. Actually, no. We would cut to Story next who would have – a well-prepared and developed rant involving some charts and graphs and then, like, some, you know, some very good writing um, and uh, and then just occasional comments about either the Seahawks or the Mariners thrown in. And also, like, a, also every, like, report would have to attack the Portland Trailblazers for something. Um, <laughs> so that would happen in there. And then it would go over to Russ, and Russ would be the weatherman doing something strange. I, I feel like that would be it, where you'd be like, over here, it would be like a cross between Bob Ross with puffy little clouds and... Um, uh, like Bill Hicks or something plus Hunter S Thompson. I don't I don't really know how that all works together, but I feel like that's how you would actually deliver the news.
3: Yeah, here in Ferguson, we got a bunch of cops uh finding out that they can't shoot black people with impunity and uh <laughs> over here, yeah. Yes, yeah, my, I can my Hunter Thompson does the weather.
0: We have a partial chance of racism here in southern <laughs> Alabama and exactly. 50% chance of rights being violated here in Missouri. Yeah.
2: I think my biggest organizing principle would be to stop making these. I mean, it's like what you, saw, you what you talk about with Connecticut is sort of something that happens like with every American news story ever to a certain extent. It's yeah. like the two Americans dead in plane crash. 5,000 other people. Also. <laughs> I know. Exactly. You know, it's like so exactly. I think my organizing principle would be to break down this distinction between the quality of humans and just would be like, hey, guys, there's a world out there. Here are countries you've never heard of where reasonably important things are happening, and you should know about them. Also, France and the U.S., but but <laughs> not just because those are the only countries you
0: know. Can you imagine people so, being like, "Wait, wait, there are other countries? What is yeah, this trick?" Yeah, I mean, it really
2: it really feels that way a lot. So,
0: do you guys see the reaction to the Super Bowl commercial about um, "This Land Is Your Land," where it was "This Land Is Your"? Oh, land, I liked done- that one. That yeah. was one of the
2: pressing ones that I liked. That yeah. I was like. Say goodbye to the planet. You have ruined it. <laughs> but it was really pretty while it lasted. Yeah. I like so they had that. that. I did, I did and,
0: not see that one. Yeah, they did that. And it was it was uh, this land is your land playing over it. And people were like, well, I'm never going to buy a Jeep because that's an American song. I'm like, have you studied Woody Guthrie? Yeah. Do you know exactly. anything about Woody Guthrie at all? Yes. Because no, that
2: that commercial actually had exactly that message. That that's actually that's right. a very good that's a very good connection. That exactly that was the that was the whole point. It's like nope, this it's about the planet. Yep. It's about the species. It's yep. not about America. So yep. this is the yeah. song was
0: not written by Ted Nugent. So yeah, <laughs> you, you have nothing to worry about there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, it did make me a little sad that
2: they're selling Jeeps. I mean, I guess it's like the slightly more ecological Jeep, but it's still I it's it's still weird to me when like the message of like save this planet brought to you by oil burning and I'm like,
0: Really? I know. Well listen, Are when we, we cross sure? the when we crossed the Rubicon of Bob Dylan selling <laughs> uh, was it Oldsmobiles or whatever, that's when, you know, that's when the time had come to sort of mail it in as far as like uh, not selling out, you know what I mean? Like, Bob Dylan did it a couple years ago in a Super Bowl ad, and that was the end of it, as far as I'm concerned. So, Fair. everybody else now, Woody Guthrie, all these other ones. Cat Stevens, you know, you know?
3: Speaking of which, um, now, while we're on Bill Hicks for a second, which I shouldn't allow to go by so quickly, um, <laughs> there was an old quote of his that would so never play anywhere in any context today, and he he did, it was only 20 years ago, it was like in the early 90s, um, where he was criticizing... God, who was it, like Vanilla Ice or somebody for endorsing Diet Coke or Debbie Gibson for doing Diet Coke commercials. Okay. And he said that once you do a commercial, if you're an artist, you're removed from the artistic community forever. Once you've endorsed a product, you're no longer a creator of anything. You're no longer an artist. You're just a fraud. You're just pumping out songs for a Coca-Cola. And, I mean, it was a controversial view back then, but now it's a non-view. You know, yeah. nobody takes that stance. Nobody right. for a second would think that they're compromising their ability to be an artist by endorsing the actions of some company and taking money from them. It's true. And, you know, it's something that I've had to struggle with in the, like, thought of, like, do I start going on commercial auditions or is it something that I'll regret for the rest of my life? And it's, you know, right. it's a difficult decision for me because my presumption before was that I'll just never be involved in any of that I'll just do my thing. While I've seen like five people that I know on Super Bowl commercials this week because that's just the the world of improvisers because this is what they do.
0: I think well, I think you answered your own question when you started to support Blue Emu. So I think we've seen, seen <laughs> you are for sale to the highest bidder <laughs> and that's you know uh, that, that's uh, fine. I see how it is.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but if they sponsored the podcast, then that's that, you know,
0: you know. I would love to actually see a Super Bowl uh, MEP report ad. I think that would be I think there'll be a lot of good stuff that could come out of that. Wasn't yeah. there? A, I there don't think a we need, need to advertise,
2: advertise anymore for the Super Bowl. I think people know that it's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you I mean the other way. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, We're gonna hit like the oh, target okay.
0: demographic that doesn't the super what? I should love to observe this thing. Uh, Did you guys see the Ecuador ad? On the Super Bowl, like the country of
3: Ecuador spent like half of its GDP on a Super Bowl ad, <laughs> yeah. instead of feeding its people, because they're like, this is where the money is at. I was we need to this... get in on the Super Bowl action. Well,
2: given how few people had heard of Ecuador, <laughs> <who was>
0: watching <laughs> Ecuador, what I've yeah. I've heard of, uh, I actually had uh, there was a um, sports radio was going on about how this one guy was really upset that um, they had made avocados into a big thing. He's like, a decade ago, no one ever heard of them. Now guacamole is the greatest thing ever. Come on, and I was like. Really? Like, is guacamole controversial? Like, uh, why, who's pushing it? He wanted to get to the bottom. I mean, he was not really serious, but he was like, well, I need sure. to get to the bottom of who's pushing the guacamole, you know, who, like, who stands to benefit from the avocado? Probably whoever
2: is at his Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe. I was
0: like, I mean, avocados are <laughs> badass, so I don't know why you would yeah. object mm-hmm. to it. But he was, like, really upset that somehow avocados adventured it on the safe place of, like, bratwursts and pizza and, you know, like, how can you have something green in, in those places, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I think the advertisements. I, I think the truth is that people get so charged up about commercials, which tend to be generally pretty crappy. Like very seldom do they break new ground. Very seldom. Like, what did you guys think of the "Run Like a Girl" ad? Were, do, were you guys? Because I was. I thought it was okay, but you know, people were like raving about. This is redefines. I was like, mm. I mean, it's fine. I don't. I don't know that it really alters the way that we look at women in society, but. Um Did you guys see that ad the run like a girl ad? i don't think I did it. see it. i've seen yeah. it before it wasn't new to the Super Bowl like it's been around for oh a long okay long. Yeah, first time I heard of it was the super Bowl um
3: yeah, but yeah, I mean it was a good attempt at the n f l to hide its uh, legacy of domestic violence and sexism and chauvinism and yep. um you know glorifying sociopaths and all the stuff that NFL is good at
0: yep hey, good job. <laughs> Wait well out. done.
3: Good good greenwashing, NFL. I have <laughs> like and I know that there are fantasy football implications for what I'm about to say, so don't freak out. But uh, I'll get ready for <laughs> it. I'm I'm like getting pretty tired of football, professional football, American football. Uh I just don't find much value in it watching the games. I don't enjoy them. I think it's the most litigious sport that we have, and it seems and I think I've made this argument on the Met Report a long time ago that like even the expert commentators who are commentating on the games like they don't know the intricacies of the rules they need to know because they're changed every season and like what is down and it's just about a lot about arguing about like how much of somebody's knee was down and on the line and looking at replays forever and gameplay is like one percent of the viewing time and it's just it just sucks it's not entertaining Mm. i don't buy it i'd rather watch soccer which has no commercials for a whole 90 minutes or at least except for the, the ones half-time. on everyone's
2: jerseys yeah. yeah i was gonna say yeah.
0: where, where it's in your face <laughs> all the time but i can i can let those blend into the background um i'm just over it i still find it really i have to say i find it one of the most entertaining sports to watch myself i i thought it was actually a good game um i i you know the ending sucked but but um but i thought yeah. it was i thought it was a pretty entertaining game i i I don't know. I mean, Clea actually said that it's one of the games she really enjoys watching it more than anything else because it's it's interesting and she finds it it's it's relatively easy to follow and it's not slow paced. I mean, we all here love watching baseball, but I think you know, Clea's Clea is definitely not not in that group. She's like, I just don't on TV. I don't get what the appeal is. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, to be I, fair, I
3: like I've been accused of not paying attention. Like I like having things on the television. That are just there and have steady state, and then I can be reading at the same time. That's or baseball at
0: the internet.
3: <laughs> yeah, baseball perfect for that because yeah. you don't need to be locked in for every minute. Of I baseball. truly
2: watch three hours of baseball games locked in with more focus than I do like <laughs> anything else in my Is life. That actually no, true? I really do. Really? That's actually totally true. Yeah, and and I always, until about three or four years ago, I probably always hated watching football. Like, I football bored the daylights out of me. Um, I have recently actually like really gotten into it, and it actually like sort of does bring up. A little bit of a moral quandary for me, because like, like, what? Who was it? Was it George Will who said it combines the two worst American traditions? It's violence punctuated by committee meetings. Um, <laughs> so you know, and and what Russ is saying, and now it's like plus legal battles and you know arcane arguments about you know various aspects of statutes, which is you know plus plus bad video replay like it really is just like (laughs) destined to combine all of the worst outputs of American culture Uh, um so you know yeah I I uh but it's uh, but I'll say this, Russ. If you can with a straight face say that you're sick of football after watching that Super Bowl, then then you are done with football because like that was by about twenty five times the best football game that I've ever seen played. And the Green Bay
0: and Seattle game was good too, actually. I mean, yeah, game, it was. Green, that was Seattle. Frankly, shouldn't have won that game. As, as did not as watch that's that's championship weekend at all. Oh. Um, well, you like, you've always been more of a baseball guy, though, Russ. I mean, you right oh, I to be you know. sure, and
3: I mean. Granted, I've gotten on
0: the Giants' bandwagon the last
3: two years that they've made a playoff run to the Super Bowl, and that was exciting. And knowing that I had zero rooting interest in the Super Bowl, (laughs) other than that, like, yes, I'd love the Patriots to lose whenever possible. Yes. um, It's just I had no – I really wasn't interested in anything going into that game. It was just – I feel bad that my friend has invited me, and I enjoy hanging out with him, and so I'll you know, try to chime in and make fun of commercials and stuff. But I – to think of about 100 better things to do with any Sunday that I've got. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Kind of done. I do like, I mean, I still, and probably story agrees with me on this, I'm still um, a big fan of watching uh, college basketball, um, especially as we're moving into the right part of the season for that, because I love... I love Championship Week with the tiny little, you know, the big sky conferences and things like that. Um, and I even like watching the occasional professional basketball, which I put on the same level as it does as, as baseball does for you, Russ. Where I can kind of not be locked into a Knicks game in February, <laughs> but I can just sort of have it on, you know, and and whatever, and do work. Um, but I, I like watching college basketball quite a bit. I
2: mean, you shouldn't be locked into any Knicks game for about three <laughs> no. That's that's I mean, definitely no. True. that is.
0: It that's depends. I'm a Celtics on what your fan anyway. Is for depression, unless you're starved better.
3: for college basketball and it's about on that level so
0: yeah st john's is pretty decent this year actually college-wise so we'll see yukon yeah. however <laughs> but uh not so much but that's all right you know i had they've had a good run so yeah i don't know i i just i do enjoy watching i mean it's pretty much the only thing i watch on tv at this point is that and then you know i'll watch a movie or something on tv but that's otherwise it's just that in sports and so yeah i don't know I, yeah I do and give like,
3: it, given what i've said about football like i have nba tv on my roku and like we'll go back and watch replays of cleveland cavalier games because it's really fun to watch those guys play and golden state and atlanta have very exciting teams and so those i will watch or just have on while i'm reading and i find it dynamic and entertaining and watch the improvisation of the guys on the field and i'm all i'm very much into basketball so Mm -hmm. i don't know gotta pick and choose
0: can I well? Can I ask then? Um, and this is not so much to bore people in our audience who are not sports fans, but I think it's sort of culturally interesting. What's it like now to be living in Los Angeles with the Lakers as a historically bad Lakers team? That, that oh, it's exist.
3: great. I mean, also because the the battle lines have been drawn that like a lot of New York tra- and East Coast transplants are all Clippers fans because they refuse to like sign on to root right. for the dynasty when right. they move to Los Angeles. And so, being in that camp, it's amazing to see the Clippers just dominate like bill simmons you know, is all like that. Bill Simmons news. is a clippers
0: fan for the same reason yep you know, exactly like, yeah. and billy
3: crystal is like the face of the clipper fandom now so and he's a new yorker so um yeah that's really fun and it's it was fun to watch kobe bryant go for michael jordan's records to the detriment of his team and just watching him have a historically bad season while he would shoot eight for 35 and get his 20 points so that he could you know go for the record and and then hurt himself again and claim that he's coming back again and yep the franchise being run into the ground by the idiot children of the buses, and it's amazing. I, I actually <laughs> heard Mark
0: Cuban talking about this, and Cuban, they were asking him about what it was like now, um, as opposed to when he got in the league, and he said it was a lot easier now, because increasingly you have people who went in and bought franchises, as opposed to people who just inherited them and basically ran them into the ground. So he was talking about how people like, um, the Sterlings are not a good example, but people who sort of you know inherited teams from their parents, they kind of suck as owners was the point he was making whereas people who kind of had to make money some other way and then came in later on like Paul Allen or something like that who came from outside and then decided to buy the team those people are the ones that he thinks he thinks it's a lot easier to work with those types of people so that supports your argument and I think that sets us up for 25 years of darkness with the Yankees, Russ, your thoughts uh, Yeah, <laughs>
3: I agree I mean, hey, it's, it's completely true that all of the good GMs right now are these like super analytic nerds and they've yeah. like made math the the context of how they create these streams, both in baseball and in basketball. um, The guy who who owns a good chunk of the Golden State Warriors, is the former like analytics head at Facebook. And he took his Facebook money, he bought a huge portion of the Golden State Warriors, and now they are an unstoppable machine that has been expertly assembled, and like for yep. good reason, because he knew what the hell he was doing, and he mapped the entire court and said, take a step left when you're going to take a step forward, and that will increase your efficiency by 1.1%. And this is what mm-hmm. the NBA is like when it's run by smart people. Um, and so, yeah, large... Behemoth legacy entities like the Lakers and the Yankees are going to be playing catch up because they don't have like the good thing about Phil Jackson taking over the horrendous Knicks franchise is he's maybe the only man in the world with the clout to force the Knicks to tank and like force them to be as bad as they possibly can be so they can finally get some good draft picks for the first time in twenty years and no personality is strong enough. Which they will
2: then trade for like Magic Beans. So well, maybe.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you gotta hope that he's, you know, he's gonna change the culture completely because he understands that these teams that are now great were teams that were willing to be bad for a number of years, build up a bunch of draft picks and and that's really with salary cap restrictions, it's the only way you can build a super team is to be terrible for a while and then be great afterward.
0: That's interesting. And I
3: and Tampa Bay is, you know, same thing is true in baseball. Like Tampa Bay was taking advantage of that system forever. And the Yankees you know, they buy enough free agents and old guys and expensive guys that that will never be like the worst team in baseball. And they need to be the worst team in baseball for a little while so they can rebuild, but they're not going to do that.
0: They actually got to the point out here where on ESPN Radio, they were talking about how what can we do to make sure the Knicks return to losing? Because they're like, you've won now. You've gotten enough games that you've passed the 76ers for the most pathetic team in basketball, which means that the 76ers are going to get the first, chi- you know, the first best chance at the lottery. And they said this cannot continue. You know, the worst, the biggest nightmare is for you to finish sort of meh, you know, and you go 30 and, you know, whatever it would be, 30 mm-hmm. and 50 50- 30 and 52 or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and you know and then you're like well that was a terrible season but it wasn't the dreadful god-awful inducing season that would get you a great pick um you know and that's the the lakers are
3: are struggling with this right now because they have uh their first round pick is protected next year so they have to give it away unless they get one of the first five picks in the draft so they are desperately trying to lose as many games as they can yeah. and then hope that the lottery <laughs> without gives seeming them one like of the first they're doing it picks. right they, they gotta yeah.
0: pretend like oh no it just went the wrong way i i scored on the wrong basket that was totally my fault why you is know? carlos
3: boozer playing point guard i don't know <laughs> <laughs> good idea byron scott
0: why is yeah. byron scott back out on the court what is going I don't on well <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, they'd do much better if that actually happened i want to see scott story. Was good
0: For you, I want to see Greg Odom um, become a GM somewhere. I don't know why. I I just want want to see it happen. I just want to see Greg Odom Uh... or old man Greg
3: Odom, who's probably like 26 now or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Way younger than me. He does feel like he's (laughs) always worse knees, and my knees have always been bad. But (laughs) his knees are worse.
0: He has always seemed like he's 700 years old, even when he was 20. Yeah, really, he really has.
2: Well, a f- couple of weeks ago, I would have been like basking in the glory of the Blazers season, but LaMarcus Aldridge has now hurt his hand and it's looking like another year that's going to be totally wrecked by injuries in Portland again, 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 I, again. I
0: feel like they need to put all of your team in bubble wrap until February and then they can let them out. It seems to me, yeah. right? Every year you're like, yeah, oh God you know like
2: yeah i mean last year they were just young nobody really got hurt but this year they were i mean this year they were like number two in the nba for quite a bit of the season before atlanta just like lost their mind for no reason but they're amazing yeah
3: i love watching atlanta
0: they have no superstars
2: yeah they don't have anyone i've even heard of they're just it's crazy yeah yep
0: Yep, it's pretty cool stuff well the celtics um are also young and uh They have um, the benefit of having, I think, a very, very good coach. So I think long-term, I think they're going to be fine. I also feel like the Boston people get it, whereas I'm not convinced. Like, I don't know that the Knicks fans get it. I don't think they even know what's going on. Like, the Knicks fans have been in kind of a coma since the 1970s, so I don't really know if they even know what's happening at this point with their team or just, you know, they just kind of wait to be told when to cheer and and whether they see Clyde Frazier and that, that stirs some part of their primal brain that reminds them that the Knicks were good. 40 years ago and, you know, but well, that's, this is also
3: my problem with the nouveau Yankees is that ever since they built this new stadium with a hundred thousand luxury boxes and seats that cost $700. If you want to sit behind home plate, like yep. they cater to a very specific demographic and that demographic does not show up to games on time. They don't cheer. They really have taken away the Yankees home field advantage completely. And so where it used to be this, the Bronx zoo now it's just like, you know, it's a garden party and other teams can feast on that. And that was, also, a huge part of why the team is not as good anymore. So, yep. Hooray, corporatism! Hurrah! That's exactly Killing what it is. Killing my sports yeah. teams. Thank you.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. I don't know. So there's no. So we're we're not looking for. So so what? Okay. So what then are we in in a new year? Let's wrap up the show this way. In a new year, in 2015, as we look forward, we have talked about a lot of depressing topics. What good things do we look forward to, sports-wise? country-wise, news-wise, weather-wise? What good news do we look forward to in 2015? What, what's, what's the thing that you're most excited about? I look you forward
3: something? to the, the collapse of several international currencies and the concomitant rise <laughs> of Bitcoin, A Bitcoin. And, to replace and- them. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mepcoin and Mepcoin along with and
0: Mepcoin by proxy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yes. Good, we will good. be
2: the the euro or perhaps the drachma of the new age
0: story. What What is your uh, What is your New Year's um, excitement?
2: Goodness gracious! <laughs> Proving Russ wrong. No, um, no. I I I I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Mariners season. I think I Woo. think this could be the year. I think I will say that. I think. They have the best shot at the World Series. And also, to be fair, I mean, just for the, for this season, it's basically mathematically guaranteed at this point that both the Blazers and the Mariners will lose, respectively, in the finals and the World Series because all the Northwestern teams are getting to the championship game and then collapsing dramatically, a la Oregon and Seattle. So, you know, so basically it's the year of the Northwest final and then disaster Disaster final. So, so, so you are that's looking, what I'm forward looking forward to the to. next
0: collapse. Is the next step? I collapse?
2: mean, given that the Blazers haven't been in the finals since I lived in Oregon, and that the Mariners have never been to the World Series, I will take it. I will take it. So yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, good enough for me.
3: I, I, I think I have Ichiro if you want him.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I'll take Ichiro back. We need, we need someone to feed the team. Ichiro returns, like a,
0: looking like Miyagi. He's like. <laughs> Oh we'll my do it for he would have
2: cash gone cash. out so much more honorably if he had just stayed in Seattle. He would have.
0: Yep. It didn't help him at all. So would Robinson-fucking-Cano. Yep, robinson Kano. <laughs> That's a T-minus nine years, and you can have him back, Russ. <sighs> Don't worry about sure, that, because you've got, you've sure got Alex Ayrod for two more years. Years. I'm sure yeah. we will trade him back in seven
2: years. I'm sure we will trade him. That'll be perfect. Oh, God. Because, because the, the Yankees will be like, aging star? Who, yeah. who used to bring back glory? Well... No. This will He'll turn replace, our 12 uh, season around, yes. <laughs> He'll
3: replace Alfonso Soriano at the end of his
2: 30-year contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, sure. I, I swear to God, the Yankees are paying for the last three years of that contract. I don't know how it's going to happen, but they are.
3: I agree. Before we close, with can, the did you guys hear about the Max Scherzer contract where he's getting a 15-year deal?
0: <laughs> uh, is that true? Yeah, the Nationals.
3: No, well, he's getting seven years. 210 million, but instead of being paid 30 million a year, he's getting 15 million a year over 15 years, like the Bobby Bonilla contract of the Mets. Lovely, and so I they're paying like, him for
2: eight years, like as a pension. After that, yes. yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Year pension. <laughs> is that legal under the NBA salary cap? Because there could be a really big
0: issue with that. How old is he now? Is he 27? He's like right in the middle of his prime. So, and, so he will be paid until he's forty-three. Yep. Awesome. And he said, "Yes, I will take that deal." Yeah, it is amazing. Some team will always do it. They always complain about Scott Boris, and they will always do his bidding in the end. Someone will always be dumb enough. A lot of
3: people are arguing that it's smart because, like, you know twenty twenty-five dollars will be so devalued that it's not like really paying him. 15 <laughs> I was really actually in a year that. Anymore. I
2: was like, yeah. actually, from
0: Scherzer's perspective, he has to. <laughs> account for inflation that could yep. just go totally off the hook you know who else will be devalued in five years max scherzer so i don't, th- I don't think of anything <laughs> to worry about max scherzer who is not that amazing i mean not not 15 years amazing i'm sorry I like
3: watching him pitch because he challenges hitters i like those guys
0: also he's like a husky in that he has one blue eye and one brown eye this is actually <laughs> true he does those have two make, differently colored eyes
3: they make the big money yep the boy max scherzer Yep,
0: they could have gotten a husky. It would have cost them less. <laughs> Probably would throw baseballs less effectively. <laughs> Maybe so. Just guess,
2: but just as intimidating. But you, you would never charge the mound against a husky, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, that's not what doing I'm that. <laughs> You're Like, damn, Thanks. serious intimidation factor right there. <laughs> Could you imagine? Everyone should put like a, a wild dog in their bullpen just to see what would happen, and <laughs> just be like, <laughs> just to bring them in for
0: garbage time, and be like, "All right, we're releasing the hounds." No, and the no part way. of football that they always play, where they say, um, "Let's come out like a pack of wild dogs," would actually be true. Exactly. Would actually be wild dogs. I like yeah. that idea. And they release the field. Wait, there's the raw meat being tossed. You know what that means? Woof, 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 like just charging across <laughs> the field. <laughs> oh god but precious though it is the time has also come for us to wrap up another hour if you guys like what you have heard uh please continue to give us feedback please let us know what you think and please continue to spread the word about the show like us on facebook uh follow us on twitter do all those awesome things and uh yeah and let us know how you have jumped the shark in the last week and how you hope 2015 will dance instead of jumping with the shark yeah and
3: email us if you really want us to talk about things other than sports and world politics going forward yeah because <laughs> that's, 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 that's all, all i've got like that, that's all <laughs> <what we're laughs> <happening, Terry. Yeah. laughs> Maybe if you, you do not want more of that.
0: <laughs> say goodbye, <laughs> everybody.
2: just what? you sharked?
1: It's the chess pieces. She's dancing with chess pieces. Okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> For the last time, I saw old man he He was chasing a female he knew As he shot past, I heard him say She can't fly, but I'm telling you She can run the pets of a kangaroo She can't fly, but I'm telling you She can run the pets of a kangaroo Well, there is a moral to this ditty. um da 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 can sing, but he ain't pretty. um da 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 Duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants on the kangaroo. Well, the cook of our laughed and he said, it's true. um da 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 da